is Andy Ermine here, uh, Associate Vice President of Renewable Energy Investment Operations, um, and I am joined by John Bowman, Managing Director, and Jack Manns, our CFO, as we celebrate four decades of excellence and learn more about the journey that has brought us this far. In this special edition podcast, we celebrate FOSS's 40th anniversary. As a company, we have come a long way since our inception, and we are proud to have grown to one of the leading organizations in our industry. Throughout the years, we have navigated many changes in our market, but have remained resilient and dedicated to providing top-notch services to our clients. In this podcast, we will explore some of the key milestones that have shaped FOSS into the company that it is today. We'll also discuss the secrets behind our success, including the strategies and practices that have helped us to stay ahead of the curve in the ever-evolving landscape and about what we are excited for in the coming years. Jack, what are some of the biggest challenges the company faced in its early years, and, and how were they overcome? Thank you, JB. Boston Company's business model has changed significantly since I joined the company. In the early years, the company was focused on brokering deals, placing investors with projects, mostly with just two sides of the house, communicating, brokers and originators, team raising tax credit equity, and origination team identifying viable projects. FOSS didn't play a huge role in the active management of those transactions after the initial financial closing. When I joined in 2012, we had a few FOSS funds that we actively managed, but they represented a modest portion of the overall business. Uh, there was a huge transition in my early years at the company where FOSS shifted its focus to entirely FOSS managed funds, which allowed us to provide more value to our clients and managing the investment through the compliance period. With this change came the need for a new team to help manage these funds and the associated projects, as well as a refresh to how the company operated and communicated both externally and internally. Uh, there were certainly growing pains, as you can expect, with adding headcount in a very specialized space as our industry is. Uh, I think we overcame these challenges by our ability to identify very talented, smart employees. Additionally, the tax credit equity community is a very niche space, and we certainly have accumulated significant amounts of institutional knowledge over the last 40 years at Boston Company. Another challenge FOSS encountered was the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. When your business depends on the tax appetite of institutional investors, seeing a tax rate cut from 35% to 21% isn't the most ideal. But that wasn't even the most significant challenge we face. The first iteration of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act had included language that would repeal the historic tax credit, which represented significant volume of our business and what we do. Luckily, we, the tax credit industry, were able to clearly show the community impact, the job creation, and the tax dollars generated from the federal historic tax credit to preserve, no pun intended, the historic tax credit in the tax code. John, what makes FOSS stand out and how has that contributed to its success? Jack, there are actually a couple of things that, that stand out to me. One is the company has always been solution oriented, working for solutions for our, our developer clients uh, as well as our investors, and also the tremendous amount of institutional knowledge 
if you compare George Berry's experience and John Bowman's experience and Eric Brubaker's experience and Jack Mann's experience represents over 90 years of in, working in the historic tax credit and renewable energy markets. And, and that's that's tremendous. Uh, the breadth of our offerings, both in the historic credits and the renewables credits, is unfounded. And due to our extensive experience and in, in industry knowledge, we've been able to identify gaps in the market and address them, such as when we created some of our state tax credit funds and then the FOSS bridge credit fund where we provided bridge financing to our developer clients and funding the refinance of historic restorations. Uh, as these types of initiatives provided much needed support and funding to individuals and businesses in need, filling a critical gap in the market that was previously unaddressed. And by leveraging our expertise and insights, we've been able to identify opportunities to make a real difference and create value for our clients and stakeholders. Annie, what are your thoughts? What what makes FOSS stand out and how has that contributed to its success? Yeah, um, happy to touch on that. I think my perspective might come a little more drilled down just having joined FOSS a little over two years ago and being you know, exclusively on the renewables team. But, you know, from my perspective, it it seems like our ability to be agile and dynamic is something that really sets the company apart from others as a whole, as well as our renewables team. Because we're a smaller shop, we definitely have the ability to be a bit more creative in terms of solutions and the product offerings, which can then allow for a more tailored, fine-tuned experience to our investor base. I think this flexibility extends definitely to the other um, parties we work with, such as our other developer sponsors, third parties, um, and really helps us cultivate sound relationships with those that we work with. Um, it then also enables us to you know, engage and contemplate new opportunities, which we'll get to um, as we move further into the podcast, but um, new opportunities that other companies might not be as willing to dig into just as a result of their kind of company framework being a little more rigid. So I think for me, it really ties back to just that dynamic component that we have really sets us apart. And then just to keep it moving. So, Jack, what are some of the the biggest milestones FOSS has achieved that you are most proud of? Sure, I can give you three three milestones here that pretty significant. We've uh, raised eight billion of tax credit equity uh, since our inception, with over one billion of assets under management currently. Whether those projects are in, under construction or already in operations, we have several institutional clients that have invested in a variety of FOSS funds over a decade long, uh, which is a testament to the quality of our work and the knowledge in this space. Another key milestone is we we just crossed the 40 employee mark. We currently have 41 talented, smart employees, with a large number of them joining in the last two years to help manage our growth. When I joined the company uh, over 10 years ago, I think the headcount was six or seven. So things certainly are much different today. John and Annie, how has FOSS adapted to changes in the market and technological advancements over the years. Jack, from speaking from the, from the historic side of things, there have been there are two things that jump off the page at me that were significant, almost seismic changes in the industry. And then there's some current stuff. The first would have been the IRS safe harbor. The revenue procedure that was, was issued in 2014 totally changed the, the market for structuring deals, how you structure deals. And it made some deals more homogenous, which was a good thing, but the impact on pricing and the economics uh, was a, a game changer for developers. 
And so it was, it took an immediate pivot on our part to be able to address those economic concerns. And then two would be the 2017 tax, tax reform act that you referenced earlier. The initial legislation was going to eliminate historic credit. And so with tremendous lobbying pressure and efforts, we were able to, to get the credit restored, but it went from being a one year credit to a five year credit. And so that had an immediate impact on pricing, taking as much as, as 20% off of pricing, equity pricing in the beginning. So it, was, it really took a toll on a number of projects that were, were coming to the market. And uh, we adapted and, and with our investors and, and, and made it a positive because with it being a five-year credit, we've seen some new investors come into the market because they prefer the five-year tax stream, which, which opened the door for us with a number of our current investors and some future investors. And then the third piece you deal with more on a regular basis is the state credit. And it seems like state legislatures every year are constantly changing the statutes, whether they're eliminating credits, whether they're changing credits or whether they're creating credits. But you have 50 different states with 50 different legislatures, and it is a constant battle to keep up with those rules and regulations to make sure that we're addressing the need of our investor clients. So those are those are the three big areas that, that I see that we have to adapt to on a regular basis. And I can chime in from the renewable side on this particular question, and I think it's very relevant based on where things are at as a result of the uh, IRA and what that means in terms of the types of projects we are now looking to finance. As I just kind of mentioned, this is quite relevant um, as we're currently in closing on our first battery storage deal. Primarily, we have been focused on solar financings, getting into the carbon capture space, but this is the first battery storage deal that we are working through, and it's with one of the leading developers in the space. Um, So a great counterparty to have. And although there are definite similarities in terms of how we're operating and running this closing in the way that we would a solar closing, because it is a new technology for FOSS to underwrite and finance, we are definitely approaching it uh, with an even higher level of scrutiny. We have engaged with a company called Fractal Energy Storage Consultants to provide consulting services in helping us evaluate and diligence this project. Because it is a new technology, we want to ensure that we are coming to the table fully equipped and understanding all components. Um, so felt it prudent to work with an additional consulting company that, you know, really has a high level of expertise in the particular market that this battery storage project is getting built in. Um, Another way that we've adapted is by uh, really digging into and understanding the IRA, which is the Inflation Reduction Act. This was passed um, last year. And prior to the IRA, the ITC was subject to a standard phase out of that credit. So meaning once we moved into 2023, the amount of the credit would drop from 26% to 22% and then 10% in 2024 and so forth. So as a result of the IRA, all of the projects which began construction before the end of 2024 now qualify for the 30% rate. And then after 2024, all projects can still qualify for this higher, the 30% ITC rate, as long as they meet the new prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. Um, so this credit will then you know, run through 2033 with a phase out component with the credit expiring in 2035. But that's a that's just for now. Um, I'm assuming once we start kind of nearing that cliff date, there will be, you know, most likely new legislation or something else to come into play. 
But just from a high level, this legislation has really expanded the renewable energy finance space and the ways in which we as a tax equity syndicator can interact with the industry in a you know, productive and uh, successful way. The only constant is change, right? I mean, this industry, you know, whether it's programs at sunset or programs that are extended, there's just programs are just changing constantly. So you have mm-hmm. to be able to adapt to survive in this space. Yeah, that was um, something I had never been exposed to in prior work environments where I was working. I, I haven't been involved in an industry that is so dynamic on its own. And it certainly keeps you on your toes and, you know, learning something new every day, pretty much. <laughs> Absolutely. John, how have our HTC portfolios grown to where they are today? Jack, since you, you asked that question, as you know, when you and I first started uh, Fawcett Company, we primarily acted as a broker and we would broker transactions between investors and developers and move the credits primarily in the state credit space. And now, Almost 95% of our investments are, are done through one of our investment funds. We are now fund managers, which it adds tremendous value to our investors. Is we not only underwrite the deals and close the deals, but then we manage the construction process and we manage the asset management once the project is placed into service. So we do all the work for the investors, and, and that is that's what's grown. I see the most, you know, multiple millions of dollars versus the brokerage business that it was when I first started. Absolutely. Annie, same question to you. How has our renewables portfolios grown to where they are today? Sure. So um, our first solar project was Lose Solar Electric Generating System, which was built in April 1986. It is a concentrated solar power plant in California with a combined capacity from three separate locations, totaling 354 megawatts, it is the world's second largest solar thermal energy generating facility after the commissioning of the even larger Ivanpah facility in 2014. This solar energy investment consists of nine solar power plants in California's Mojave Desert, where insulation is among the best available in the United States. Since then, our Renewable Energy and Sustainable Technologies team has expanded to 11 employees and has closed numerous solar deals with projects located throughout the country. As it stands now, we have projects currently in New York, Maine, New Jersey, Minnesota, California, Hawaii, Maryland, Illinois, and Texas. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple in that list, but quite expansive. So we've worked on various types of projects consisting of large utility scale to community solar portfolios. Uh, this can change the nature of how we move through those closings and financings. Um, you know, whether we are doing diligence on one project versus um, multiple projects within a portfolio. And I think there are many different factors um, that have led to this growth that has, you know, allowed us to take on more closings, take on more financings, which includes, you know, starting at the inception of sourcing solar projects uh, that involve solid counterparties, completing extensive diligence on our end, um, as well as alongside our legal counsel, and really digging into the economics and understanding our position as a tax equity to ensure we're protecting the investor and ultimately ensuring it's a sound investment. Based on these practices, we have been able to establish solid relationships across both sides of the table, and we have been able to foster an environment of repeat business from investor clients and developer partners, which has really set a strong foundation for our FOSS Renewables team to continue to grow from. So that was the past, and let's talk about the future. John, 
What are some of the most exciting developments or projects currently in works at FOSS, and what do they mean for the company's future? You know, Jack, that's a great question. We talked about tax reform in 2017 and how the credit almost went away, and we saved it. It's now a five-year credit, but that credit and the change, while it scared us all at the time, has actually been a net benefit for us. The uh, The five-year credit has drawn new investor interest. Our investor base has broadened. Our current portfolio of investors prior to the Tax Act has has actually grown, some of which we fill up an investment fund and they're ready to, to start over and do another one. So it has totally opened up new frontiers for us. I guess the most classic example would be in, in New York State, where the federal credit and the state credit cannot be bifurcated. And since the Tax Reform Act, our tax equity investment pool in New York has quadrupled. It's allowed us to do some really cool projects. We just closed on one. It was John Sorrell's project in New York. It was the Reese Bathhouse. It's on the beachfront in Queens. Every New Yorker knows where it is, knows what it is, but it is totally fallen into disrepair. But as a result of our ability to provide both state and federal tax equity, along with the developer's ingenuity, the bathhouse will be completely restored to its grandeur from the late 1920s. So it's really, really neat project. And I think we'll see more opportunities like that around the country with renewed investor interest. Absolutely. Yeah, the Reese bathhouse will be an interesting project. We'll have to get out to the beach for the grand opening of that one. I think that's slated for maybe uh, later this year. Annie, how about you? Same question, but from a renewables perspective. Yeah, sure. So kind of as touched on before, as a result of the IRA, we are now able to explore new technologies. There's a lot that was packed into the IRA and there's certain components that more so relevant to kind of our our space within the industry. So as mentioned, you know, the the battery storage, that's an area I think we're really trying to build out our expertise, portfolio base, because primarily we've focused on solar. So really kind of expanding into these new technologies, I think, is a, a main goal for for this year and obviously subsequent years. And then, you know, specifically on the solar front, we have recently closed several large portfolios. One we are currently, we have closed with and are working on a second portfolio, which is a developer partner called Nautilus. And what's kind of unique about this particular portfolio is that it will provide community solar in Maine, Minnesota, and Maryland. Um, And so in addition to providing low-income families and small businesses in these communities with increased access to low cost and clean electricity, it will also aim to bring new jobs and tax revenue to these specific states as well. So, you know, it's nice to be able to come to work every day and feel like you are making at least some sort of indirect positive impact. But so just, you know, taking a second to reflect and realize what these portfolios mean and the impact they do have is a great and exciting and fulfilling part about this job and our, you know, renewables team in general, I think. Definitely. That's actually a good segue to the next question. John, how does FOSS's work make a difference in the HTC community in the larger picture now and in the future? Great question, Jack. You know, one thing that when we're investing in historic restoration, we're supporting communities throughout the country. We're preserving historic buildings. We're restoring historic buildings. And not only in restoring the buildings, but but we're saving and preserving our country's rich history. And, And in the process, this restoration allows the buildings to be 
environmentally efficient, which is which is good for the environment and good for the economy. We've invested in some some really neat projects that enhance the local communities. One example would be the Judson Mill project in in Greenville, South Carolina. I know you're familiar with it. It was an old textile mill that was completely mothballed, an entire complex. The whole neighborhood was in disrepair, a low income area. And the restoration of that mill has brought fiber activity back to that community, not only housing, but restaurants, shops. And there's a a healthy option. There's a a tenant in there called Feed and Seed, which helps provide healthy options for the low income residents that live in the neighborhood. And it also houses what they call the Judd Hub out of the Judson Mill, which is a collaborative workplace. It serves to provide social entrepreneurship innovation center for the local community. And it's really been well received by the residents in Greenville. So, Andy, I guess then that leads me to want, I want to know how has the IRA impacted the renewable energy industry and what does it mean for the future of our company? I feel like based on how many times I've brought up the IRA on my own really just shows how much it has become integrated into day to day conversations on our renewables team. It's 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 really kind of changed the landscape in, in a positive way. Uh, so the IRA has not only reaffirmed existing components of the solar industry, such as extending the 30% ITC rate, as I went through a bit earlier, but it has also opened the door for new opportunities and development, such as the opportunity to explore um, production tax credit applications. So PTC expanding the list of those renewable energies eligible for financing, new financing structure opportunities. What I'm referencing there is the transferability component of the IRA. There's an opportunity for energy adders to be applied to projects, which means um, that if a project, well, let me back up. So an energy adder is where a project can qualify for an additional 10% of ITC. So on top of that 30%, if certain qualifications are met. And I don't think we necessarily need to get into it, but within energy adders, there are specific sections such as domestic content or energy communities. And so then if a project is trying to qualify for domestic content or this energy community, um, so this additional 10%, they would just have to meet the certain requirements and qualifications as outlined um, by the IRS for that particular kind of subcomponent. So there's definitely been a lot to learn and understand within this last six to 12 months, but it's been quite interesting to be a part of fostering this time because of how dynamic this industry is. And the IRA is just a great example of that. Um, and one other part I just also wanted to touch on was, although we are awaiting guidance around many of these specifics, we are excited about specifically excited about the transferability component, the direct pay option, all of which are now included as part of the IRA. So they've definitely been a hot topic of discussion amongst industry players. I'm very curious to see how all of this really, you know, turns from conversation into action and then ultimately into practice. Just kind of cool that, you know, things are progressing, happening in real time. Um, And again, just I feel like the theme from my side of the table here has just been how dynamic things are. So as you can see, with all of these changes, these rolling guidance updates, now more than ever, it's important for prospective investors and developer parties to work with a company like FOSS to ensure all necessary requirements are met and compliance is adhered to. 
think that brings us towards the end, but one last question, and I'll be directing this to you, Jack, but what goals does FOSS have moving forward? Our primary goal is to continue to grow FOSS and company and deploy capital into projects that have a positive impact in our communities. We'll continue to add talented employees and ensure consistent results to our institutional developer partners. Our space continues to evolve with the introduction of new credits and new opportunities. And whether it's battery storage, carbon sequestration, or solar powered school buses, you know, we love what we do and we believe what we do makes a difference in the communities that these projects are located and where our tax credit equity is deployed. We're excited for the future of our industry and truly believe the best has yet to come. You know, Jack, as we discussed earlier today, that Foss and Company's really come a long way since its inception. In the beginning, it was Joe Foss and Margie Berry, and then George Berry joined them. And since that time, the company has deployed over $8 billion in tax equity. It's, it's navigated many challenges in the market, but it's always been resilient. And its dedication to providing top-notch services and predictability to clients have been a key to its success. We wanted to take the time to explore the milestones that have shaped FOSS and the strategies and practices that have helped it stay ahead of the curve in an ever-evolving landscape. As we look to the future, we will continue to make a difference by preserving historic buildings, creating a cleaner future through renewable energy investments, and investing in projects that do good based on the needs of specific communities. We will continue to evolve and branch out to different types of deals that have a positive impact. Thank you for joining us in this discussion about our past and our future. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to our 40th anniversary podcast episode. This is Foss and Company's Tax Credits Today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. 